Hey, what's going on? It's Kyle Cruz, and you are listening to the KC at the Movies podcast. This week, it's been a while. It is. Uh, it's been a while since the last one. I think the last one's the Oscars one on April twenty fifth. But you know, there's just not much excuse here. Uh, I just haven't been on top of everything, and um, you know, I'm trying to get better. And uh, just life shit just keeps getting in the way, and um, and you know, it, you know, it needs to be taken care of, obviously. But um, it's just, it's just. You know, certain things just keep popping up and getting in the way. Sorry, I'm just trying to manage my uh, my time better as well and trying to find more time to do this stuff, which I really like to do and uh, would like to continue. And I was, you know, very excited to have a good 2021 with this and uh, just, yeah, just things are getting in the way. And uh, recently I got a new job as well. And, uh, it is like a, it's been a temp job. I mean, it is a temp job, but it's been full time. It's been, um, 7.30 to 3.30 every day and, uh, except weekends, but I also work, uh, at my other job on the weekends as well. So there hasn't been enough time to, to actually, you know, record because I come home from this certain job and then I'm really, really tired. And then I want to go to bed and it's pretty much that cycle. You, you go to work, you come back. And then uh, you're just tired. You're just tired and you want to go to sleep and you don't really feel like doing anything for the rest of the day, really. Just eating and sleeping. Uh, you come on home and eating dinner and, uh, and then, going to, then going to bed and then fucking doing the same thing the very next day. So, uh, I, you know, I, I planned this one, but I just haven't had time to, um, to fucking do it. And I know I said I was going to do it a while ago. But I uh, just didn't get to do on it. And then, yeah, suddenly this new job comes in um, and I had to take it because your boy was running out of money. So finally, I've had time to uh, record this and um, hopefully put this out in the next few days. I've got, I finished it tomorrow, so I should be able to, you know, get a start on the edit as well. And I've also planned the next two, the next two um, but obviously nothing concrete from that yet. And I've got a few announcements at the end of the podcast that I want to talk about and uh, some, some questions that, um, you know, no one's really asked yet, but just to preemptively get in that, uh, in the way of that and um, and uh, give you some answers to those. But this episode is going to be about, like mentioned before, it's going to be about uh, the Disney Plus show WandaVision. And we have Loki coming out on Wednesday, the 9th of June. And I really wanted to record this last week because I wanted to talk about, I think that, I think also, I was also planning the closer I got to Loki, the more I could talk about, like bring everybody back to the show that started everything and get, uh, and then you know, kind of got this TV universe on track, even though it's all technically part of the MCU, but get the next f- uh, phase rolling with these TV shows. I'm talking, you know, one division, of course, and then, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now Loki on uh, Wednesday. So I'm recording this tonight because you know what better time to talk about what started it all with you know uh, with like what is it like three days until Loki comes out. So where it all began is WandaVision, which was mostly directed by uh, Matt Shackman and written by Jack Schaefer. And it starred uh, Elizabeth Olsen, of course, as Wanda Maximoff, and Paul Bettany as uh, the Vision, or just Vision. Now, we've seen these characters in the films before, but they never really got much characterization. And they have some really nice moments, but they never really got the characterization that I thought that you know, that every other character gets. And I get that uh, you need to give everyone... I mean, you can try and balance everyone's storylines, but... And I, I did like Wanda, I did like Vision, but I never really thought, I never really bought their whole, I never really fully bought their whole relationship thing. And I know it's a thing in the comics, but I never really did in the films. I was just kind of just like, oh, okay, well, even the, um, I mean, the part when in Infinity War, spoilers, by the way, this whole podcast is going to be spoilers for the MCU, WandaVision, everything. So if you, you know, if you tuned in just to get some, minor thoughts on this show i'm going to be actually diving into every single episode on the show which was about nine i just i just wanted to share my thoughts 
on each episode, what I thought about them, every moment that happened, and and yeah, just get my thoughts on those. And then at the end, I want to talk about what I didn't like about it and what I think uh, you know took away from its ending and its finale, which was which was honestly yes, it was a bit of a letdown, but um, it wasn't terrible. But it was it was a bit of a letdown. I think it ran out of steam towards the end, but. Uh, again, we'll talk about that later on. So, yes, I want to give a warning that there are going to be spoilers for WandaVision, the whole the whole show, and pretty much the MCU up until this point, which is about Phase 4. So if you don't want to know anything, I suggest you just stop listening and uh, watch WandaVision, come back, or watch the whole MCU. I mean, you don't really have to, but um, yeah, watch everything, come back, or just, can I give a fuck? Just keep listening. Uh I don't mind. It's fine. So yeah, we 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 start off episode one, and um, the show kind of starts off with this aesthetic of this uh, the sixties television show, and this theme especially uh, for episode one is I Love Lucy, kind of a Dick Van Dyke show feel, and um, it all is built like a sitcom. Uh, that was pretty much the whole. Uh, objective and idea for WandaVision to make it feel like a sitcom and obviously later on in the series you do find out what's been going on why there what why is a sitcom but this whole thing didn't really feel like a gimmick I thought it was very creative I thought it was a very brave direction that Marvel was going in because normally you'd you know you'd get you'd normally you'd, you'd just get the fights and some cool lines I guess some character moments but this was really just a very imaginative approach to give more characterization to these characters I thought it was done really well. I think they nailed everything about uh, the era they were trying to replicate, uh, down to the look, the aspect ratio even changes at certain times, and the sound design. It's all very tinny. It's all very old-fashioned, like in the 60s. And the special effects were all done practically. There's no CGI. Um, If you watch the Assembled series um, that they do behind the scenes of of both this series and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and also they probably do one on Loki as well. But Assemble goes into this and uh, shows you a lot of the behind the scenes. I would definitely recommend that if you wanted to find out more about this show and, and how it all came together. And the first two episodes were actually done in front of a live studio audience with no laugh track. It there was actually you know they were actually using the laugh from the audience that were watching the show. And um, it honestly, like when you look at the behind the scenes, it looks like they were actually filming like a proper TV show where it is you know in that style. Uh, when I say that, I mean in that style. And uh, I just want to say, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany were just excellent um, throughout this whole show, but definitely in this first episode, for two characters, again, that were not given much characterization in the MCU. The show has a lot of development for them, and time is given to these characters, because there is time. There's nine episodes for this for these characters to have a certain arc, to, give a lot of, to get a lot of development, and to get a lot more love going into phase four and then towards the end of the episode the whole thing just starts to shift the whole tone shifts the whole everything really just um everything just kind of changes in this really spooky eerie way Elizabeth Olsen herself actually described pulling influence from the twilight zone and it really does feel like that especially when you have you know black and white color I forgot to mention as well obviously since these episodes are 60 style episodes they're on they're in black and white they're no color until episode three i believe and um yeah i just feel like they nailed the whole aesthetic of everything and again elizabeth olsen and paul bettany just had to play these such heightened versions of their characters and they fucking nailed it they 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 did a really really good job matt shackman does a great job directing as well him like knowing him doing battle scenes in Game of Thrones, being that's the same guy who directed the Battle of the Bastards episode in in Game of Thrones, and from you know going from that to this type of show, um, he said was a bit like a bit of a weird transition, but he said he had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, yeah, his direction is great. He gets a lot of great performances out of Olsen and and Bettany. Um, and Olsen said she had a lot of fun, obviously, with the performances, as did Paul. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the episode, everything goes a bit crazy. And then we're starting to get a little bit of a, like, what the fuck's going on here kind of feel. So, moving into episode two, the theme for this one is Bewitched. And um, they even have 
their own theme songs as well. I forgot to mention before, each episode goes off a theme song style of that era. Also in the Assembled series, uh, the two composers, I for, I've forgotten their names, you know, they go into how they compose these themes because they're original compositions. There's nothing taken. I mean, surely there's influence pulled, but everything is original and um, everything was done by themselves. So, uh, yeah, the theme for this one was Bewitched. The theme song looks really very much like Bewitched. And then we get our uh, first big wow moment, our uh, our kind of, okay, like there is something fucked up going on here. Um we get a radio playing, which turns out to be uh, Jimmy Woo, who we do see later on in the series. And you might know him from Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Lost, both, both of those uh, films, who's played by Randall Park. And uh, you hear a voice for the radio, and it turns out that it's Jimmy later on. And uh, you get the red helicopter showing up, and then Wanda pretty much saying no. And uh, everything kind of changes. There's a rewind, and it all gets a little glitchy. And then we also see the first bits of the hex symbolism appear in the uh, in the show, and that also definitely becomes an overarching theme later on in the series, encapsulating everything that this series is about and what the Scarlet Witch will become. And then episode three, uh, we are going into the this would be the seventies, I believe, and this is the uh, the Brady Bunch that they replicated. They tried to replicate the Brady Bunch and took influence from that. And this one, Wanda is pregnant with twins, uh, who they named Billy and Tommy. And uh, Billy and Tommy, uh, for those comic book people out there, and I definitely looked this up. I did not know this. I looked this up um, to give you full disclosure. Uh, Tommy and Billy are Wiccan and Speed, who are the children of um, Wanda and Vision, but turn out to be illusions of Mm -hmm. Mephisto, who is the devil of the Marvel Universe. And then during this episode, Vision sees Herb and Abner slacking around, um, acting strange. Um, now, Catherine Hahn as Agnes, or as we learn later on, Agatha Harkness, is excellent in this series. She's definitely a scene stealer. I mean, I wouldn't say scene stealer. Everyone's very good. But she especially is just fantastic. And um, definitely, you could tell, loved playing this really over-the-top heightened character as well. And, and Catherine Hahn's always been great. I've, I've always been a fan of Hahn. But uh, this one, she really definitely, she just shines, shines so much. And then, but you're also asking questions about, well, come on, what's, you know, what's going on here? Like Agnes is just, you know, popping around. She always seems to be conveniently there. And um, you're probably just thinking, you know, you, you're thinking like there's something going on here, like, and then in this episode, you do see there's a very um, odd occurrence that happens where, you know, Herb um, just soars right through the wall and then just stops moving. And then Vision's like, well, what the, you know, what the fuck? There's, again, it's the Uncanny Valley kind of thing happening. It's like, what, there is something strange going on underneath all this. This is not all truthful. This is not all um, real. It feels like a an illusion or a... Um, or hex, as we <laughs> as we go on to uh, see later on. But uh, yeah, I really like this episode. I really like the confrontation between Wanda and Geraldine, who we later learn is Monica Rambo, coming in from the um, outside world into um, Westview, which is the uh, we should I should have mentioned before, which is where this show takes place. It's a fictional place, Westview in New Jersey, and um, and again we'll find out. I'll tell you why. Where it came from, I guess, and um, yeah, I, uh, I I liked the gags of like Wanda's pregnancy messing with the stability of the world and um, her just her magic drive. I mean, where was it? The goose that comes in, or the swan, and um, she's got like the I think she's got the kids' bedroom, and then like all the things are painted, but it keeps all changing, and just her her magic magic is going out of control, and fans are clicking in, and they're thinking, okay, this is chaos magic. Now we're getting this the the Scarlet Witch that we you know have known, but now we're getting to really know the you know the the transformation of uh, Wanda Maximoff here, and uh, how much how powerful her magic really is. 
And um, it's a little bit of an insight into Wanda's... Maybe this is being controlled by her. Like There's something sinister going on that she might be controlling. And uh, again, every episode is just laying out the breadcrumbs for what is to come and what is to come in uh, definitely in these next three episodes um, that lead to, you know, we'll finally, we'll talk about later, but lead into these next three, which are some big episodes. Um, uh, sorry, the, well, the, the next one's pretty good too. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the next one, which is episode four. It um, takes place outside of Westview because we see the outside world for the first time. Almost all of the episode takes place in the real world and not in Westview at all, actually. And it focuses on the character of Monica Rambo. And uh, we, we begin with her in the hospital and it's the aftermath of the blip. It was really interesting to see the chaotic energy of the opening sequence where people like returning from the blip because it almost feels like a horror movie with like all the frantic camera movements and, um, and people just panicking and people just appearing out of nowhere and (laughs) everything's just going fucking crazy. Monica's running out to people. She's like, she's um, bumping into people, knocking people over. She's walking up to the, uh, running up to like the, uh, you know, the receptionist at the hospital and and, and just thinking, (laughs) you know, and then just jump, what the fuck? What the, you know, where, what's going on? (laughs) I mean, obviously it doesn't say what the fuck. This is a fucking show on Disney Plus, but <laughs> uh, it was just really fun to see that um, and 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 uh, get an insight and into how everyone just came back and then just how how just um, how sudden everything must have been for just your partner just to peer back next to you and you're like, what the, the f- what are you doing? <laughs> um. It also is mentioned in this episode that Jimmy Wu has a witness who maybe disappeared into Westview. And uh, again, a one of the first kind of uh, subplots is laid out that we are hope to we hope to get answered later on in the show, but I'll be, I'll be talking about that um, later on. And uh, yeah, it's cool to bring Darcy Lewis back, who is uh, you know from the Thor films. She's not really great. In the four films, I've never really liked Kat Dennings' portrayal of that character or that character. I thought it was extremely annoying in those movies, but she's utilized well here. Um, she is brought in to pretty much help the you know the people, the sword. That's what I'm trying to remember. Uh, sword, who is the uh, pretty much the new shield of the show, uh, the new shield of the MCU who is run by this man named uh, Haywood, who you know, might have some wiki uh, intentions using Monica and um, exploiting definitely whatever he finds. We do kind of get that he is, you know, there's something going on with him. He's, he's a very bit, bit of a shady character, but it's not really clear what he's about to do yet. But Darcy Laws is brought in to help them all out and pretty much... Uh, find, figure out what this anomaly is, and she soon discovers and names it the Hex, uh, officially in this episode. And uh, yeah, this was a very, very exciting one. I really liked this one. It kind of kicked everything to gear. Now, I get the slow start. Everyone complained about, uh, not, not everyone, but I did see a lot of comments complaining about, you know, the first episodes just kind of feeling stagnant after a while and just going, okay, when are we going to get into the meat potatoes of it all and stop with this kind of sitcom gimmick? And while I say it was, you know, at, at times I was just like, yeah, okay, like we can, we need to get more into this. But I, I really liked the first three and, and how they slowly built this tension and, you know, revealing very little information, but just leaving enough to, to watch, want to watch the next episode which is, you know, I watched it with my uh, mates who um, every episode, uh, every week, wanted to tune in and we always talked about WandaVision and I like the the way Disney did this. There was not, everything was not dropped at once. It was uh, just week by week and then we got to talk about you know, that episode of the week and then look forward to the next one. So I really like the release schedule of what Disney is doing and they've been doing it since Mandalorian really, but... They were doing, they're doing it again with these Marvel shows. I think it's the perfect way to release this uh, package 
of uh, content that they have, unlike Netflix, where Netflix just drops everything at once and you kind of just binge it all on one week. And yes, there's a lot to talk about, but soon that conversation is going to end and it's going to just disappear, I guess. But when you have it released weekly, uh, there's something to talk about every single week. And then at the end, you can talk about every episode. So I like what Disney is doing. I mean, Amazon also started doing that with the boys as well. They did it with Invincible. And um, yeah, I like, I, I just, I much prefer this type of release schedule. Tangent over, <laughs> moving on to episode five. Uh, we're getting a bit of a full house theme here. We're getting a bit of growing pains, family ties, those kind of shows. I loved, the, I loved the intro to this one. It was just a very catchy song. Um, yeah, I really liked how it was um, arranged and composed. And uh, I think the composers actually did say this was their favorite one to make. And I could see why. It was a very, very catchy one. And um, I just love the compilation of like in the beginning, obviously throughout the song of, um, you know, Wonder and Vision throughout Restview and just interacting with all the citizens and everything. And it just looks so cheesy. It was great. We do see Billy and Tommy. They have been born and uh, they're kind of just aging out of control. They're, Wanda can't even keep up. And I think this is like a, I mean, this is obviously taken from the comics as well, but this could be a comment on just like, Children just growing on too fast, but done in such an exaggerated and comical way that um, really helped with uh, the Wanda's character development because things are starting to slip out of her control. She's, she's starting to lose grip on what she's created here. And um, I, uh, I liked that element. Uh, Vision has an encounter with um, the co-worker. I, I forget his name, but I think it's Ray. Um, he's a co-worker that makes him think, uh, Wanda is torturing everyone. And he kind of gets, when he taps on his head and he's just like, you need to release this. You need to release this. We're, you know, we're being kept at a, you need to stop her. And, um, yeah, very interested to see that. And then Vision's starting to tick. He's starting to be like, okay, like, you know, what's, there's something going on here. Maybe my wife is, uh, you know, not as good as, not as uh, innocent as I thought she was. And um, we also get the uh, interaction with Wanda and the outside world, Sword mostly, what, and she warns Haywood to uh, pretty much leave him alone. Uh, Haywood tries to uh, drive a drone in there, and um, Wanda pretty much tells him to fuck off, let me do my shit, otherwise there's going to be trouble next time. And I also noticed that her accent was Sokovian here. I mean, uh, definitely it was very wasn't subtle it was, it was pretty um it was very clear but um yeah it was interesting that in the west viewer here's an american voice and then you finally come out to the real world and you, you hear a sokovian voice and uh and soon that will start to slip as well uh but this episode also has my favorite ad placement now throughout the whole series there has been um these kind of very sometimes on their on the nose, sometimes they give hints and foreshadowing to certain things that have happened throughout the MCU and, and are to come. And, you know, it's different uh, character traits and stuff like that. And uh, this one uh, was the Lago's paper towel one. And um, one, it was funny that it was like it was just mentioned. And then two, it's a, obviously a heavy reminder of what happened in Civil War when Wanda um, blew up that hospital building. And she tried to contain uh, Crossbones' explosion of his um, vest by driving him into that building, but then obviously killing all of those people. Obviously, that's what sets off um, that, along with the Sokovian stuff in Avengers: Age of Ultron. That's what sets up the uh, the whole the whole storyline of the Civil War and um, the division there. But back to this ad, it reminds the viewer again of the events of what happened in the Civil War and um, further illustrates the blood on Wanda's hands and pretty much is like, <laughs> it's, it's part of her world, so it's reminding her, this is what you did. And it also helps to highlight that what she's doing here is is seriously wrong and fucked up. Like, it's pretty much the same thing. You're torturing so many people and there's still blood on your hands. And I think what was, I think the tagline was like, when you, you can't, you need to clean up your mess or something or you need to, uh, yeah, I think it's clean up the mess or, or you, a mess you didn't make or something. I, I forget what it was, but it was um, something along those lines. And then you get the blood dripping, even though it's, it's not blood, it's just cordial, but it's like blood dripping. It's just drip, drip, drip. Excellent sound design. Love that. Um, 
And then at the end of this episode, you have Wonder Vision fight each other uh, through the credits. I mean, it starts off as a bigger argument, and then the credits are happening. And then uh, as the credits are going on, they're still fighting. So then the credits pretty much have to stop. And it's a nice, you know, meta fourth wall breaking touch. I liked it. I, I thought it was cool. Um, and then they really start to arc up. Wonder starts levitating. Vision goes up as well. And then they start to, um, you know, arc up and get in each other's faces and something's going to happen. Something's going to go down. But then, ding dong, doorbell. Evan Peters shows up as Pietro Maximoff. Um, yeah, not Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Evan Peters, you know, which surprises Darcy, of course, and uh, mentions uh, Wanda doing a recasting, which is, you know, a funny little, again, meta joke. But it also leaves a lot of questions and then further spreads the mystery. And this is where everything, as I said, kicks into gear, especially when we go into the next episode and the episode after. But you had to just think, like, X-Men crossover? Like, what the fuck is this? Um, because obviously Evan Peters is the X-Men Pietro Maximoff and um, Aaron Taylor Johnson is the MCU Pietro Maximoff. So, you know, everyone's just losing their shit. So, <laughs> so then we move into episode six, which again, love this. This is my favorite theme song. I think I um, I liked this one and the Full House, Growing Pains, Family and Highs one, but this one's definitely my favorite because it's also, you know, obviously... Uh, trying to replicate Malcolm in the Middle's uh, credit sequence. Um, and uh, I thought it was a great one. I thought it was a great sequence. And this is the first one not to have a laugh track. Every single episode has have a laugh track up until now because obviously the time has changed, the way everything is filmed has changed, it has got cutaways, it's got callbacks. It's perfectly replicating the television of this time. Um, I love the whole creepy vibe of the episode. It was... You know, more of a creepy atmosphere with unsettling images and imagery. It was a nice play on like those classic TV Halloween episodes that like, you know, some of them are actually kind of creepy and kind of scary. And it's always a highlight of Halloween episodes of TV shows. I don't know why, but with a lot of American sitcoms, they always make the Halloween episodes interesting on the good shows, really. But um, it's always like you look forward to the Halloween episodes when you're rewatching them. And, and a, a huge example, obviously, being Brooklyn Nine-Nine's heist. They're, they're, they're just some of the best episodes of the show and um, always fun to watch. Uh, Wonder is given a lot of grief, uh, you know, appropriately in this episode and has to come to uh, face some trauma from Pietro's death. There's a lot of flashes of a bullet-riddled Pietro. And then, uh, obviously, Pietro did, does the whole... Um, you know, I'm messing with you, blah, blah, blah. I was sent here to fuck with you and shit. And then he mentions the dead husband, which is obviously referencing uh, Vision and his death. And obviously that's that sets her off. And then she expands the hex when she, again, is losing grip on everything. So she expands the hex. She takes in more of the sword people and everything becomes like, I think it's like, they become like circus people or something. Again, this is a long time ago, but yeah, uh, I've, I, uh, it was a fun episode, and I actually rewatched this one a few times uh, because I just loved all the the different um, cutting lines and a lot of the subtext throughout the uh, the, the dialogue between Wanda and um, Pietro as well, uh, talking about their past and if they're if they're both remember it, and maybe the moments are fake. Maybe, maybe that actually isn't what happened, and that's just um, what people thought at the time was Mephisto sending that vision of Pietro to Wanda. Um, but alas, it, it wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, and then we move into episode seven, which is going with more of a modern family office feel. Um, there are talking heads in this one. Um, Wanda's chaos magic continues to manipulate the anomaly, the hex, uh, the milk changes, the radio station changes, I think. And then she's just like, doing these interviews and um it's uh yeah it's it's great it's another great episode and she's definitely she's now she's in like the depression kind of uh stage of everything and uh it's kind of like she's going through the seven stages of grief shit and now she's in this depressed stage where she's just you know sitting down watching tv and then the big moment in this episode we find out 
it was Agatha all along. And uh, great, great song there by Catherine Hahn. Uh, good singing too, great voice. And uh, yeah, we find out that obviously Agnes is Agatha Harkness, the uh, witch, the other witch of the um, of the of the Marvel universe. And she's been pulling all the strings this whole time. She sent Pietro. She did. Uh, she caused a lot of the events that happened around in the hex. She was talking to Wanda during the Talking Heads. She was the director that was talking to her. She killed Sparky the dog as well. Um, and uh, Sparky dies in episode five, I believe. I think it's five. Yeah, in five, when uh, they find Sparky and... Um, He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> um, don't want to laugh about a dead dog, but yeah, you find out that Agatha did everything. She is the puppeteer of this whole universe, and she wants Wanda's chaos magic, which leads into episode eight, uh, which gives us more of Wanda's backstory. She and her family grew up watching sitcoms. The Dick Van Dyke Show has one of their favorite episodes that they like to rewatch. And we see that Wanda was experimented on and has actually interacted with the Tesseract, uh, which is, you know, obviously one of the Infinity Stones of the MCU. And there's a lot of flashbacks because uh, Agnes is trying to find out, Agatha, sorry, is trying to find out, you know, why Wanda did this and what she's willing to gain, wanting to gain from it. And obviously Agnes, uh, I'm just going to say Agnes, fuck it. Uh, wanted Agnes wants her magic, her chaos magic, because she wants to become the Starlet Witch. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of flashback scenes. I love the scene during Civil War with Vision and Wanda. I really love Vision's speech. It's a great line, uh, like "What is grief but love persevering?" And, you know, I thought it was a great line, and the way Paul Bettany delivered that line, his performance, mm, beautiful, good stuff. And, um, yeah, it was a funny scene. She's, she's watching Malcolm in the middle and he's trying to understand what makes it so funny. And she's just kind of be like, well, this is how she's, you know, getting over her grief about, uh, Pietro because obviously Pietro dies in age of Ultron and then civil war. She's trying to, you know, get over that. We didn't see much of that, but this is, so this is a nice kind of insight into what might like Wanda, uh, might've been doing during um, Civil War when she wasn't on screen and how her and Vision established the connection. And then we also see how the Hex came to be. It was all chaos magic created from Wanda's grief, which I thought I think is a very, very interesting and great concept, which definitely would have been the uh, the pitch to Feige or I don't know if it's Feige or his idea or um, Schaefer's idea. Um it feels like there was Michelle um, Fargo's idea because everything's going to run by this bloke. I mean, he is the chief. Ex- he's the chief of the uh, the the Marvel. Um, yeah, the MCU or the Marvel Marvel Studios. So definitely, he would have come up with the idea as well. But I think it would have been helped by Olsen, Chapman, Schaefer. And um, I yeah, I really like this concept and its execution of how Wanda. And her grief creates this whole reality because she is in complete denial about Vision's death. She wants to keep um, to keep the reality. Uh, sorry, keep the fantasy up that he is alive. She even creates a whole new version of him, and uh, yeah, creates a reality where pretty much it's idyllic. Nothing can, nothing bad can happen. Nothing um, can disturb them. It's not until she starts losing grip on everything is when she realizes that pretty much this can't last forever. So yeah, I just really like how everything was tackled here. Um, not much more to say. I just really liked how everything was tackled, uh, both her grief and her trauma um, stretched out to create this uh, fantasy. And it boosts a character. It makes her much more interesting, especially, you know, um, like I said in uh, before, I didn't really feel that much when she loses vision in Infinity War. But I feel like if I go back and invent, if I go back to Infinity War now and watch that scene um, or watch her return in Endgame, I will feel something more because you've seen now the loss. You've seen what Wanda was willing to do to regain everything, regain her life, but doing it 
you know, especially in the very wrong, the most wrong way possible. But it feels, it, you're empathetic, obviously, towards Wanda, but at the same time, you're thinking, girl, you need to, you've got issues. <laughs> you can't do it like this. <laughs> um, anyway, that's all I have to say on episode. I, I thought it was a, a, a really good one. A lot of people had problems with this one, but uh, no, I, I, I liked it. I liked the flashbacks. I liked the, uh, the backstory given. And um, I really, I especially loved the Civil War scene. It was, um, it was, uh, it had a great quote, which definitely is going to be stitched onto fucking pillows and, um, and what do you, what do you, what are those things that you, you, you knit into and you put them on your fucking wall and shit? Uh, I forget what they're called. Uh, they're cross stitches? Is that what it's called? Cross stitch? Um, you know, like, I love you 3000 would have been definitely like, I feel like a millennial grandmother like is going to have that on their like fridge or something, and then this is going to be another one of those uh, lines that are that is cross stitched. Moving on, to episode nine, uh, which is the finale, and we're, everyone was looking forward to this because obviously you know it's the finale of the series, it's a combination. We're going to find out where things happen, where things came to be, where things came from. Alas, not everything was answered or not everything was satisfying uh, in a way. Unfortunately to me, the finale eventually and inevitably, in my opinion, because I just feel like they would have done this anyway, it kind of just turns into generic MCU territory. Um, I I liked Wanda using the runes to defeat Agatha uh, because it showed her, you know, that she's, you know, matured now and, and, um, she can be smarter with her magic and remembered that 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 could be the weakness against Agatha. And it's a callback to the the previous episode where Agatha says, you know, only I can control the runes on the, um, on the walls. I think it's that one, but, um, you know, it just shows how Wanda has gotten smarter and knows how to, um, knows that she could defeat Agatha. And, um, I thought Wanda's costume was really good. I was very much looking forward to seeing what they would do with the Scarlet Witch costume. Um, we kind of got the comical taste with the Halloween episode, but I wanted to see what the, you know, the uh, modern day MCU version would be. Because right now she's just been wearing a fucking, like a corset and a coat and there's some like in pants and boots. But now we have, a, we have a full costume. We have the crown. We have the cape. It looks dope. I'm going to say it. It looks dope. I think everyone, uh, most everyone thought it looked dope. I loved it. I love the conversation between the two visions. Um, The white vision, which came from a few episodes before, which Hayward was creating. And um, the conversation that came from that, uh, the ship of thesis um, argument, which was a conversation, which was very, very interesting and uh, philosophical and it definitely is just you know that is vision he's a philosophical character he sees things in that way and um yeah it was a great scene i thought wonder having the dark hold was uh you know it was cool it was like one of those fan servicey moments and it you know it feels like it's going to lead into dr strange too because dr strange a lot of magic a lot of weird magic so we're going to have uh, a setup there. I, I uh, Well, it has been said from Foggy anyway that this was setting up uh, Doctor Strange 2, but we'll be, we'll be talking about that in a minute. And finally, uh, the final good thing I liked about this one was Wanda's goodbye to her kids and Vision. It was very, very emotional. Um, it was great dialogue and the performances from Olsen and Bettany, again, just fucking great. Olsen especially was absolutely fantastic during these scenes and um, you just felt it, man. You felt that this is it. Like this is the goodbye to, you know, even though their kids were not that not real and obviously Vision is just a fantasy that she's brought back to life. It's, it, it's cathartic in a way that we as an audience are just like, okay, she's moving on. She's learned her lesson, but she's, She's doing it in a, in a um, she's going to start doing things in, more, in a more healthy way. Um, yeah, but still, you know, everything which she's done so far is pretty 
fucked. Uh, but you know, it's still sad seeing her say goodbye to her, you know, essentially her fucking husband and her kids. So, um, and it was just really, it was just really, really well done. Now, this brings me to the issues with pretty much the finale and the entire series as a whole. Um, but most of the issues come with the finale, unfortunately. Uh, let's start with number one, which is the big one for me, was Pietro. Uh, I thought Pietro just being a guy named Ralph Boner felt like a really, really terrible MCU joke, unfortunately. And it takes away everything from any potential setup they could have done. Uh, Friends, very lazy and illogical. And um, I just thought it was a shitty... I just thought it was a shitty joke. I just... I didn't like it. It was it wasn't even funny. If it was funny, maybe it would have just been, you know, passable. But... It's not even that good of a joke. It's Ralph Boner. I mean, what the fuck is that? What kind of what kind of humor is that? Um, yeah, it was just shit. He just he was he was nothing. He he just becomes he's just nothing. He has led. He's this whole time when you you can't even rewatch the series because you know this whole time. Um, I feel like when people go to rewatch the series, this whole time you're gonna have the context of him, his character his plant at during episode five leading to nothing because he's just this fucking guy named Ralph Boner, this actor. I just thought it was fucking lazy execution. I did not like it at all. Um, there's also an earlier line. This leads me to issue two. There's also an earlier line, earlier line about an aerospace engineer. And uh, I think it was in one of the early episodes. It was really, really baity dialogue um, when the engineer was talked about. And um, I think it was Monica saying, like, I know a guy who can do that. Mm. But but the way she said it, the way her expression was, it was kind of like, oh, are they going to do this? Are they going to do, like, a lot of people theorized, Fantastic Four, Reed Richards. Um, and I, I didn't because I'm not that um, – I. I don't know that much about the, the comics and everything, but um, I watch a lot of videos and, and uh, people talking about, you know, it could be Red Richards. He's an aerospace engineer. And um, it was just, it just felt really baity because you watch that scene now and it just turns out to be this woman in a fucking lab coat. <laughs> and then you're just like, why? Like, why did you say it like that? If it's not going to lead to anything again, it's just this bait that is just left for the fans to theorize and go fucking crazy after, um, and go fucking crazy over because it just, again, leads to nothing. That brings me to point three. Haywood just becomes nothing. His villain character is hollow and empty and he just becomes just kind of his, what was his point? What the fuck was his point? Like, was he gonna bring Vision back? And then what was he gonna do? This it wasn't. It's not said, and um, it's not clear. So, again, it's just another thing where One Division, unfortunately, just doesn't stick the landing. And um, it starts off interesting and fun and unique, imaginative, but just lands in generic MCU territory and just becomes a kind of where, where the fuck we're going to, what, what, what are we going to do? Like what, it felt like it was on the, like each episode was coming out and then like the final was coming out and Schaefer was just trying to figure out like what, what the fuck we're going to do with these, these things, these storylines, these subplots I've done. I don't know what to do with these. And it just felt like, okay, we'll just do this, blah, blah, blah. And that'll fix everything. Right. We'll just make them more jokes or, or we'll just, they'll kind of just go away and they'll be forgotten about. But no, we've been watching this entire series and when you lay something down like that, people expect payoff. And we I feel like we didn't get that with a lot of things, really. Um, with the main storyline, yeah, I guess, I suppose. But with everything else that was definitely laid out, and don't tell me it wasn't, because it was, um... I just feel like the payoff was empty and it it uh, didn't feel like much. This brings me to issue four, um, 
which is this one. This is this is one of the biggest ones I've had because it's just like I just it made me pretty angry. Um, and it comes to Monica saying they will never know what they you sacrifice for them. It just felt like the wrong line. Like I just don't know why she said that. And it's wrong, as anyway, she sacrificed nothing for them. She tortured fucking people for 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 a very long time. Um, it just comes off as excusing Wanda's actions, even though she was literally torturing these people this whole entire time. Like, we the audience know what Wanda has done. And even though we sympathize with her in terms of her grief and her trauma and how she went about it, her, cathars- um, her, her cathartic ending, we still know... It was very wrong how she went about it. And that is the part we cannot sympathize with because we know that because you've shown us that she's been torturing these people. And uh, that is the part, obviously, that we can't get on board with. You've shown us that she's been torturing everyone. And then you come with this line that says they'll never know what you sacrifice for them. It just comes off as confusing when, you know, we, the audience, know it's wrong. But characters around her tell her what she's done is the right thing. It's it's almost like subliminally telling the audience, hey, she's not bad. Like, it would have helped her angle as a Scarlet Witch in Doctor Strange 2. Uh, you know, the lesson could continue in, in that film. And it's just, it's such a, conf- it's a, it's such a big confusion that I had with that line because it's just a, it's almost like you're contradicting what you've set out. And then you're, you're just kind of wrapping everything up and saying, she's good now. She's, she's a good girl. She's done good. Okay. She's learned her lesson. She's learned her lesson. She may have fucked with these people for a very long time and taken over their bodies, but she's God damn it. She's learned her fucking lesson. But then we're like, but no, she's, what she did was still fucking wrong. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, it just, it just, uh, it was the main thing that stuck with me. And as a writer, it, it, it just felt like a really fucking wrong line. It could have been changed to something different and it just wasn't the right line. And um, it's just a bit of a nitpick. Uh, yeah. Like um, I'm sure other writers like myself notice these things and, and um and uh, thought the same thing. But um, if you didn't, t- just take a look at that scene again and then just look at that line. And it's just the main thing that uh, really doesn't you know, sit right with me. Uh, this last one is a little bit of a nitpick. I will agree. Um, it, it's, this, take this one with a grain of salt. This is, this, is just, this is just a little nitpick. I just wish it would have happened. Um, but the post credit scenes, I, I just think should have been related to Doctor Strange 2. Every MCU film at this point builds up to the next thing, like the next thing. Um, and I don't know if this the next thing will be Captain Marvel 2. I think the next thing in the storyline is Spider-Man, because I think Black Widow is supposed to come out before, like it was supposed to come out last year, but now it's coming out this year. Um, but the next thing after this, because it was, you know, it was supposed to be Black Widow, these shows, and then Spider-Man, but now it's obviously all been mixed up because of COVID and what the fuck happened last year. But, you know, I was actually thinking that uh, Benny Cumber might even appear as Strange at the end. And it, really, it would have been cool to see, like, Doctor Strange come in. I mean, maybe he, you know, the commitments, uh, you know, the, the scheduling might have been a bit fucked. But, uh, you know, it would have been really cool to set up Doctor Strange in that way. Maybe he feels something change and he, and he feels the multiverse, like, shift. And he's like, oh, what the fuck? It would have been created even more excitement for Doctor Strange too. And I even think you would have had perhaps like the jaded fans about phase four, like, because they're, they're thinking, um, there's definitely a lot of people out there think, thinking, what the fuck are you going to do after Endgame? You can't beat that. What's phase four going to be like? You could have been thinking, okay, all right, well, this could be interesting. Like the, we have a hero who is, you know, been established as a hero. Uh, now, obviously kind of becoming a villain. And becoming an antagon, and becoming the antagonist to our hero, Doctor Strange, in in his, in his uh, second outing. So it would have been, I don't know. I think this would have been nice. It would have been nice to have Doctor Strange to 
post credit scene. But again, it's just a nitpick. I don't. It doesn't bother me that much. Uh, we did get one to Astro projecting with the dark hold, but I still think another one would have been a, a lot better. Instead, you know, we get Monica in the movie theater with the shape shifting scroll. I just, I think I speak for a f- like. Well, fuck it. Many people, when I say, I just don't care about the scrolls. <laughs> I just, I'm not really excited about Captain Marvel 2 um, as I am for like, Doctor Strange, obviously, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I, I just like, there's probably a lot of people out there that are excited for Secret Invasion series, but I don't know. Like, the, Captain Marvel was all right. Um, with the scrolls, I just, I just don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I just, I just don't care. Um, it's they're not as interesting as everything else that is going on at the MCU, especially what has been established in this series and what is con- to continue um, with Doctor Strange two. So, what comes next? Uh, Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness will be directly linked to this, as Feige said. Wanda is apparently the villain. Um, there'll be probably another villain in here as well. Maybe Mephisto? I don't know. Uh, but not many details are available anywhere to concretely know. I've looked at a lot of links. I've looked at a lot of articles. Not much is known. All we know is that Elizabeth Olsen will be in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. It'll be a horror film that's directed by Sam Raimi. Originally going to be directed by Scott Derrickson, but he dropped out to greater differences. And Sam Raimi come in. And you guys know Sam Raimi did you know, Evil Dead, all three Spider-Man movies. So... He knows horror. He knows uh, this um, superhero genre. So I'm excited to see what he does with Multiverse of Madness. And the fact that it is going to be the first MCU horror movie is another imaginative direction that Marvel can go into. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is technically the next movie in um, this whole phase and um, looks to have the multiverse involved. Uh, I don't know if it's been officially confirmed that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire will be coming back as previous Spider-Man, uh, but we do know that Otto Octavius, Alfred Molina, will be in Spider-Man No Way Home. So it just leads to believe that they are my they are going to do a multiverse thing, and Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire is playing stupid because like they don't want it to be like <laughs> okay, all right. You know, no, it's not gonna not gonna be like that. But you know, oh, maybe, and just winking at us. It's like, come on, guys, you fucking, you're in, you're in Spider Man. You're, <laughs> this is gonna be a multiverse thing, especially what's been set up in One Division, man. Like, come on, it's a multiverse, guys. Don't fucking play dumb. And uh, this also apparently connects to Loki, which is again is out Wednesday, not for June. And um, I don't know how, but. Apparently it connects to Loki. There might be a scene where Loki travels to the, you know, the universe established in this. Um, maybe talks to Wanda, maybe talks to Vision. I don't know. Um, because that movie is going to be about, sorry, and that show is going to be about Loki visiting timelines and jumping all around the place, and um, which is exciting concept. Hopefully it's executed well, um, again, with these, to with these sh- two shows like WandaVision probably mostly I did like the finale more of Falcon and Winter Soldier although it did also have its shortcomings um, again it's just villain execution that just doesn't seem to be the strong suit in this in these but um, you know I just hope they give the character um, you know hearkening back to uh, my final thoughts here I, I just hope they give the character of Wanda Maximoff the same care that she got in this show because we learned a lot more about her, her vision, um, literally her vision, <laughs> and uh, her plight and um, a lot of development for her. And is not kind of just tossed aside for the Doctor Strange, even though it is his, is his film. I hope she just gets... She is the villain. Um, she as the villain can be interesting and she could be another interesting villain, uh, like, um, the likes of, um, uh, Thanos. And, um, yeah, because what Jack Schaefer has written for her in this show, despite the shortcomings with Schaefer's writing in the finale, uh, what she's written mostly for her character for this entire series 
has been really interesting. And it'd be a shame to see it been tossed aside and not utilized. And uh, now that Wanda is a much more fleshed out character, I mean, she's the fucking Scarlet Witch now. So I just hope she's not just, I hope she's utilized well. And I hope she's not just back to being a side character like she was in our previous outings in the MCU. And uh, that's it. I've been talking for all, yeah, just over an hour. So we're going to finish with some MCU rankings. Um, before I start as well, um, I did watch uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I also thought that show was really good. And then its finale was a bit okay. Um, I just hope Loki does a better execution. I won't talk more about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier because I definitely thought Division was just better. Um, I know that both tackle different themes, but I just liked, I just enjoyed WandaVision more than um, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Or maybe I'll talk about it in another podcast down the road, but just not now. Uh, right, let's get into our MCU rankings. Uh, right, number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's still there. Guardians of the Galaxy is still my number one. My number two is Captain America and the Winter Soldier. My number three is is Endgame. My number four is Thor Ragnarok. My number five is Civil War. And I recently just rewatched Civil War as well. Big, big five. It used to be down like number six, but I rewatched it and I was like, this is great. Uh, <laughs> number six is Spider-Man Homecoming. Number seven is WandaVision. Uh, number eight is Avengers Infinity War. Number nine is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Number 10 is the first Avengers film. Number 11 is Iron Man. Number 12 is Spider-Man Far From Home. 13 is Ant-Man. 14 is Doctor Strange. Iron Man 3 is 15. Black Panther is 16. Captain America, the first Avenger, is 17. And Iron Man 2 is 18. Avengers Age of Ultron is 19. 20 is Thor. 21 is Ant-Man and the Wasp. 22 is Captain Marvel. And 23 is Incredible Hulk. And 24 is Thor The Dark World. Um, yeah, those, those, those last four. Ooh, don't think I'll even rewatch them if I go back and rewatch the MCU. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Those, those are my MCU rankings. That is my thoughts on WandaVision. Maybe you didn't agree with all that. Maybe you, you wanted me to... Maybe you just wanted me to, to shut up um, because I was making very wrong <laughs> points. And... Um, the discussion was not as fun as you uh, as you thought it would be. Let me know what you thought uh, about WandaVision and um, if its execution was just as bad as I thought it was or in other moments that made you really like the show. Um, yeah, get in touch. I enjoyed it, most of it. Uh, I enjoyed most of Falcon and Winter Soldier and I'm, I am looking forward to Loki when it comes out on Wednesday. Maybe this will be the big one. Maybe this would be the best one of the Marvel TV shows. Um, I'm a fan of the MCU. Always have been for, you know, a while. You know, guys, you guys know I've done podcasts about the MCU, like so many. And uh, it's films. It's exciting. It's just a fun thing to look forward to. I, I, I like that we kind of had the break from the MCU, but I'm ready to get back in. I'm ready to get back in because these things are fun. These movies, these TV shows, they might be not everyone's cup of tea, but I really enjoy them and they're fun to watch. Before we head out, I just want to talk about a few announcements that I want to get off my chest because um, I just feel like I need to address a few things. Um, now, the first thing is fun plays. Yeah. On my Instagram, I've been kind of talking about um, I mean, this is a while ago, but I laid out some teasers for the fun police. I did some posters and then we did some, I, I took some set stills and, and put them on Instagram and, um, I was making it. I was making it. I'd written all four episodes. We had filmed most of the first episode and then, and my partner who is, uh, in the series, who is also, um, one of my best friends is, joining the actual police force. So uh, he will not be part of the show anymore. And I have made pretty much the executive decision to not continue with making the series because I just 
don't feel I could do it with anyone else. Um, we had great chemistry. I mean, you know, we're best mates, so like bounced each other really well and it was really fun making it with him. But um, I just don't feel like I could do it with any, anyone else. And um, it was always going it was always just going to be that pair, uh, him and I, Rex and Cortez. And uh, yeah, but what I'll do is I want to try and make kind of like a test, uh, what could have been maybe like a fantasy and uh, like a, a, maybe like a, a what could have been of the fun police uh, because we did film most of the first episode and I've got the audio. I've got everything together. I can put together a semblance of an episode one. So I might do that. I might even release on YouTube. I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm just going to say, sorry, I will not be continuing with that. Instead um, I have already started writing a new mockumentary series that would be just focused on one central character instead of two because um, just in case anything happens we can still probably work with doing this and making this and um, getting it out there because I do want to as I said in the first post uh, on my Facebook I wanted to make this a year of hard work and make this a year of uh, you know know, what we lost in 2020 can be uh, I guess gained in 2021. Oh my God. What am I going to write a fucking philosophy book? <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to work on more stuff and um, release more things. And I want to get on top of those short films. People are getting up me about that. I will get on top of those um, this year. I will. I will get on top of those this year and see if we can get them into anywhere, really festivals, raise them online anywhere. As long as they're done, I want to start editing them and I want to get them out there. But I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm sorry if anyone was looking, looking forward to the fun police. It feels like um, a thing uh, that I talked about a while ago. I think it was like a couple of years ago. I talked about false promises and everything. I tried to not do that anymore. And um, it's just unfortunate uh, this has happened. But very fortunate for uh, Jordan because he is joining the police force. And that's fucking awesome. And he's doing great and um, he's doing really well. So shout out to uh, Jordan who is just crushing it. And um, I, this is actually happening. Like we talked about this, when we talked about this, like if him actually doing this, um, I I was like, wow, this is, this could take a while. Like, and then, but no, he just, he was straight on top of it and then he got it. And um I'm fucking proud of him. He's done well. So well wishes to him and what he um, does in the future. Now, the second thing is because of this new job I have, um, I am not sure when the next podcast will be out. There's nothing. I can't promise anything this time around. I, instead of giving you the, what I think would be like, oh, I'll, I'll come out this week or come out next week. I actually don't know when this next one will come out because of this new job and, and what it does with my schedule and, I just can't really make a concrete um, decision on when something will come out. I, I've already started planning it. I just don't know when I'll be able to record it because uh, it's just very. I'm very very busy at the moment in other aspects of life, and um, I just don't know when I'll do it. But I will say that I'm working on. I'm writing this one at the moment. I'm working on this next one at the moment and I'm also working on the next one after I've already got ideas for that. And and I've also done, uh, you know, an outline as well uh, for the, the next one. And I can't, I want to give you hints. Okay. I'll give you a little hint. I'll give you a little hint. Uh, I recently just saw it last week. Um, People might've seen it. It's a sequel. It's a horror sequel. Um, and you know, that's fucking obvious. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what it is. Um, so I'm very, very excited to talk about that. I really, really loved the film and, um, uh, we, um, I've already started writing a lot of notes about it and my thoughts and I can't wait to get into that. But again, when we don't know, we don't know. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but hopefully soon. Thank you. 
for listening to this week's podcast. Thank you for anyone that's tuned in that has, that has stayed on with me. Uh, this is the, the 93rd or 94th episode. We are on the brink of reaching 100 episodes of this thing that I've been doing for, oh my God, like like almost five years now. And uh, it's it's been a ride. There's been a lot of learning. There's been a lot of obstacle getting over. That's not even a fucking phrase. But there has been a lot of growing. <laughs> I'm losing sanity. I need to give you up in five hours. <laughs> I need to be up in five hours of this fucking job. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you. If you keep listening to this manic fucking crazy person, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And, um, um, if you want to reach me, everything is in the show notes All the links are in the show notes, my website that I recently created, uh, any queries, you can send them to the email, uh, my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, my letterbox, everything's in the show notes. So if you want to, um, have any questions, you want to reach out, yeah, feel free, feel free. Uh, do not hesitate at all. Especially if you want to talk about film, always up for that kind of discussion. Guys, Thank you very much. Stay safe this week and uh, I'll talk to you very soon.